chapter 4. You know, in some of these, some of these sermons, you could, um, you know, ask some people some questions before you get up in the pulpit, and these, these are really exciting, you know, to find out. And um, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but have you ever asked a little child or a young child to define love? All right, so we, we, we asked a couple of kids, in, even in our own church, and um, had their parents ask them, and here's some of the things that they came up with. Are you ready for this? To define love. Here's love. Evelyn says, love means you kiss. <laughs> and so, <laughs> what is she thinking of? She's thinking of romantic love. You know, love means you kiss. And uh, I wonder if her parents say, I love you. Give me a kiss. You know, give me a kiss. And she, she takes that. The love means you kiss. How about this one? Henry, uh, love is when you feel happy and when you hug. Oh. Uh, and uh, the parents said, every time they say, I love you, Henry, he just looks at him and walks away. And so that's a, <laughs> that's a little boy, right? Isn't that a little boy? You know what I mean? I just pull your heart out to him. Here's, here's another one. Danny, age seven. Uh, love is when mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before he, she gives it to him to make sure it's okay. <laughs> right, does that happen? I mean, that happens, right? A little... Let me take a sip of it. I always get mad when Katie does that to me, but that's right. And I get, then, then I get right with God afterwards. Um, May Ann. May Ann says this. Uh, love is when your puppy licks your face even when you left him all alone all day. Or alone all day. Um, isn't that true? Uh-huh. Uh, some comedian joked around and said, try that with your wife. Try putting your wife in the trunk of a car all day, and then after you're done, open up the trunk and see if she licks your face and gives you a kiss. It's probably not going to happen, but if you do it to your dog, guess what? They will, right? And so, uh, uh, kind of a difference. Don't do that, by the way. That is not part of the sermon here or anything like that. All right, now, if I was to ask you, if I was to ask you this morning, turn to the love chapter of the Bible, where would you turn? First Corinthians 13. Wow, what a chat. Holy moly. All right, where is it? First Corinthians 13, I heard. What else? Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Anybody else? Yep, David. Crucifixion passages. We see the true manifestation of God. Oh, crucifixion passages. Now you're getting really spiritual on me. All right. Song of Solomon. Oh, don't touch that book. That'll mess you up. Actually, I got a, I got a friend that just wrote a book on the Song of Solomon. And he sent me the PDF file if you want something like that. He really wants people to read his book. Him and his wife wrote it together. Excellent. He's a, he's a, a professor in the school that I go and teach once a year. And he actually wrote a book on, on Song of Solomon. That, that, Song of Solomon, that is a book. That is a book. All right. Anyone else? Huh? Where would you turn? You still haven't even told me where the, the love chapter of the Bible is. Okay, 1 John chapter 4. Oh, thank you, Brian. <laughs> You say, wait a minute, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter of the Bible. Well, do you know the word agape is only used eight times in 1 Corinthians 13? And do you know in 1 John chapter 4, how many times that word is used? 27. We're going to turn to the love chapter. 1 John chapter 4. And really, it's, it's interesting how um, you look at this and John, I mean, is he senile? I mean, this is the third time he tells us. Uh, first, first John 4, 7, he says, 
He says, beloved, what? Let us love one another. Didn't he say that already? Didn't we preach this already? Why do I have to go over this again? I mean, this is the third time in the book of 1 John that he mentions to let us love one another. We looked at it in chapter 2. It really, it talked about when we, when we love one another, it is showing that we have fellowship with God. In fact, it is impossible to have fellowship with God if we don't love one another. We can't do it. And some people say, yeah, I can have fellowship with God. I can care less about the people. No, that's not true. We have to love one another, have fellowship with God. And then we read in chapter 3 that when we love one another, we're showing that we're truly born again. But why is he mentioning it a third time? Well, let me just tell you something. Uh, let us love one another. When something hits you and something means a lot to you, you repeat it a lot. Have you noticed that? There's words in my sermons I repeat a lot. Like what? Pasta. Forget about it. Right? Pizza. Why? The Rangers. Watch this. I say a lot, yeah. Um, a lot of words, right? The kids got to play bingo with my words. Remember that? You know? And all the words that I repeat all the time. Why do I repeat? They mean something to me. Pasta means something to me. It's, it's a part of my life. It's who I am. Pasta. I mean, if you prick me, pasta sauce comes out. I love it. So when John is called in his epistle, when he's called the disciple whom Jesus loved, the love of God gripped his heart so much that he has to talk about it over and over again. And, and what he says here in, in verse 7, he says, let us love one another. This is present tense. Let us continually love one another. And it's reciprocal. Let us love one another. So I love you, and guess what? You love me, right? It's, it goes back and forth. Um, he's saying, let us love one another. Let this ring throughout the church. Let our love be seen. Now, why? He's going to tell us why. Because it's the very source he's going to go to first. He's going to talk about the person of God in, in verses 7 and 8. And then he's going to talk about the proof of, of love in, in verses 9 and 10. And then he's going to talk about the practice of love we're going to see in about an hour and a half from now in verses 11 and 12. Wow, they're really looking at me. We better get through this quicker. You know, the military people are ready, ready to jump me here. All right, the person of love. Look at verse 7 here. Look at verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? For love is where? From God. He goes to the very source of love. See, see, true love is not selfish love. True love is not sensual love. True love is supernatural love. It comes from God. In fact, he's going to say here, everyone who loves is what? Born of God. How do we know we have God's nature inside of us? How do we know that we are regenerated? We love. Why? Because love comes from God. I never forget what one pastor's wife said to, to him, why do you care about people so much? Why do you worry about people so much? Why are you worried about their souls? Why, why do you worry so much about other people? And he looked there and he said, you know why? Because God's put that love in my heart. Yes. Love is from God. In fact, everyone who loves is born of God. Now, now be careful with this. It doesn't mean that, that people who don't know God can't love. There's love outside of, of people who know God. Come to one of our family reunions. 
You'll see Italian love. Amen. You'll see the real love. You'll see the kissing, the hugging, the everything. How you doing? It's been so long. Oh, you're looking good. You eating it right? You making sure you eat it? I mean, they love. That's love. You'll see love outside. But what he's saying is this. Everyone who has love from God, everyone who's experienced the love of God, there's the supernatural love of God is going to love. In fact, look what he says here. And he knows God. He understands God. He has an intimate relationship with God. The person who loves really understands the heart of God. And, and this is not no just one time. This is continually growing in knowledge. I, I, I'm here to say the more we know God, the more we will love others. The less we know God, the less we will love others. But as we grow in our knowledge of God, guess what? We grow in our love for others. He's saying this is supernatural. It comes from God. In fact, if we are God's children, we are going to love. Now, look at this here. Verse 8, the flip side of that. If someone doesn't love, guess what? They don't know God. They don't know God. How can someone say, you know, I, I know God. I really have a relationship with God. I have a deep relationship with God. I just care. Le I can care less about anybody else. That doesn't go on. You know why? Because here it is. Here's a wonderful statement about God. Look at this right here in this verse. It says in verse 8, The one who does not love does not know God because what is God? What is God? God is what? Love. Now, we look at this and we say things like, well, God loves you. That's not what the verse is saying. The verse is saying the very nature of who God is. The very essence of our God. If somebody was to ask you, explain God. Who is God? Well, John said, God is a spirit. God is spirit. And, 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 and he says here, God is what? Love. It means the very essence of God. It's not just the activities of God. It's who he is. The very essence of him, the nature of God is love. When he creates, he creates in love. When he judges, he judges in love. All that he does is in love because he is love. That's the nature of God. So what John is saying is this. As we understand the very nature of God, who God is, that love comes from God because God is love. I like how one person explained it. As heat comes from a fire, and as light comes from sun, from the sun, love comes from God because God is what? Love. That's his nature. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying God is love. So those who are born of God and know him will love because God's children will love because he is love. Now, he set that up for us. But some of you want proof. And by the way, if we keep saying the same thing over and over again, it starts to lose its effect, doesn't it? You know, I got a saying in our house. I, I look at Katie and say, you're the best thing in the world. You're the best thing ever happened. You're the best thing in the world. And then I look at Abigail. You're the best thing that ever happened. You're the best thing in the world. And I look at Johnny. You know, Johnny, you're the best thing in the world. You're the best thing that ever happened to me. Katie's like, you keep saying this to everybody. It's going to lose its value. <laughs> We keep walking around saying, God loves you. He loves you. He's love. He lo it starts to lose its value. We really don't understand it. We really don't sense it. 
We, we love to throw that out when people have things going difficult. And tell that to somebody just broke up with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Ah, don't worry. God loves you. That sure fills their hearts, doesn't it? Tell that to someone who lost a spouse. Oh, don't worry. God loves you. Or lost a job and can't pay their bills. Oh, God loves you. God is love. They start to lose it. And so people say, well, prove it. And John says, okay, I'll prove it. I'll prove it in verses 9, and I'll prove it in verse 10, too. Watch this. This is amazing how he proves God's love, how God talk is cheap. Does God really love us? Is God really love? Look at this here in verse 9. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. This is how we see it. This is how it is shown to the world. Now, this is going to get you. He's going to use a word twice in verse 9 and verse 10. See if you can see it. In verse 9, he uses a four-letter word. And in verse 10, he uses a four-letter word. Do you see it there? What is it there? It starts with an S and ends with a T. Now, now, now don't miss this. Sent. He says it twice. He says, you want me to prove it? I'll prove it. Look at this word, Sent. The word sent is very important because the word there is where we get our word apostle, apostetlo. It means to send an official, to send somebody to do a specific task. It's in the perfect tense, so it indicates that God has sent him and now we enjoy the blessings of this mission. God is going to tell us who and why right in this passage. Let's go back to it. God sent who? His only begotten son. Now, now don't miss this. Because some people, they, they take this to mean that Jesus was born or Jesus had a beginning here and, and that, that he had a beginning and that he's not eternal. So they take the word begotten to refer to his birth. But that's not what the word means. The word begotten is a compound word. Monogenes or monogenes or kind. Mono, only. Genes, kind, unique, one of a kind. There's only one Jesus. There's not many of them. There's only one of a kind. There's only the unique son. You know what this verse is saying? God gave his very best that he could give. That's love. He gave his unique son. John 3.16 should be running through our minds. For God so loved the world that he gave his only what? Begotten son. His unique. His only son. His one of a kind. The unique relationship that they have. What he's saying here is God proves it by giving his very best. Remember Cain and Abel? Cain gave what? Just what he could give. Abel gave his very what? Best. God gave his very best to us. Why did God give his very best? Look what the verse says in verse 9. His unique son, the, the one and only, into the world. Here's why. So that we may live. So that we may have life through him. We were dead in our sins. We were disobedient. We were doomed. But now we have life through who? Through Jesus God gave his very best so that we may have what? Life. You know what that life means? That life means now I can walk in the light because of Jesus. Now I can confess my sins because of Jesus. Now I can abide in his word because of Jesus. 
Now I can have fellowship with one another because of Jesus. And here's the best thing. Now I can love others because of Jesus. That's life. He said he sent his very best so that we might live through him. Now, I love verse 10. And if you don't get anything out of today's sermon, get verse 10. This is amazing. Because our love is so responsive. We love things because they do something for us. I love ice cream because it does something for me. Now, look at this. Do we do it? He didn't get that. I love ice cream because it does something for me. What does it do? It makes me feel better. It helps me to grow. I mean, a lot of things. Right? In fact, my favorite are fat boys. There's fat boys. Have you had those fat boys ice cream uh, things? I love walking in the stores and saying, hey, where are the fat boys? And they look at me and I'm like, uh... <laughs> I love fat boy ice cream. Because it does something for me. What did we do for God? Watch this verse. This is incredible. This is love. You want to know what love is? He'll prove it. Not that we loved God. But he loved who? Some people ask me, so how did they respond when you gave them the baskets? They were all over the map, their responses. But one really threw me off a little bit. I knocked on the door person came out yeah what are you looking for um yeah so-and-so just called i'm here to deliver a basket um for who uh i gave the name that person doesn't live here i said let me check the name out i'm pretty sure the person lives here we just called and we know that the, the per no 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 that that person i don't i don't think they live here no they don't live here so i went back and i, I got the name and i said the name oh yeah yeah that person does live here so I left the box on the, on the ground, and the person just walks by the box, walks right in, walks in the house, leaves the box on the stool. Didn't even touch the box. Were they excited that we came? Were they happy that we loved them? You know what? That's all of us before God. He sent his son? <laughs> Who cares? I don't have nothing to do with him. I was going to live my life. What? No, you won't forget the wrong person. I'm not a religious person. He, sent, he didn't send his son for me. I could care less about God. Yes, he sent his son for you. Even though we can care less about God. Even though I remember saying to my friends, I hate God. He died for us. He took the initiative. I don't care if you were four or five when you got saved. You hated God. You were dead in your sins. You were doomed. But he sent the initiative to die for you. That's love. Yes. You want proof? Look right there in verse 10. It's not that we loved him. It's not that we called out to him and said, please come and die for me. It's not that we wanted him. We didn't. But he loved us. <laughs> he took the initiative for us. He brought that box to our house. And that person who shared Jesus with us. I'm so thankful that God took me from New York City, took me to a town in Alabama. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Where you get out of your car and you smell the cows. You ever have a cow lick you? Those nasty cows? I'm in a town of cows. And I meet a guy, can I tell you about Jesus? No! 
I don't want to hear about Jimmy. No. Guido, I just want to tell you I love you. Don't love me. Guido, I'm praying for you. Don't pray for me. Ooh, they used to burn me up when he said that. And he would say it every night just to burn me up. He'd stand at the door. I remember him. Terry thing. Guido, just you know, I love you and I'm praying for you. Get out of here. I don't need your love. I don't need your prayers, I told him. I'm okay. I don't need that. Boy, God took the initiative to put that man in my life. He became my roommate. One of my best friends. We, we got together 14 years later. He goes, remember, Guido? Remember what you used to say, Guido? Remember what you used to say to me? I didn't even remember. All the, yeah, remember how you used to get mad at me? Yeah, oh, now I do. Not that we love God. Don't miss this. But he loved us. And you know how much he loved us? Look at this. It's not just talk. Watch what he does. There's that word he sent. He sent his son. Remember, he gave his very best to do what? What, what a word this is. What is that? Propitiation? How do you say that ten times? What it really means is that the offering that Jesus gave for us took away the very wrath of God that we deserved. We deserve hell. But Jesus came and in our place lived the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died so that we can have life with Jesus Christ. Here's what one guy says here. I love this. He says, For the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. Well, the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. Man asserts himself against God and puts himself where only God deserves to be. God sacrifices himself for man and puts himself where only man deserves to be. That's our God. And not because we loved him. Because he loved us. He proved it. He's not just talking about it. He proves it. You say, wait, what's, what's the logical conclusion to all this? Look at this here. This is amazing. I, 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 I've studied it. This is incredible. Look at it. What he says is, beloved, if God so loved us, stop there. Meditate on that. Look at that little word, soul. For God so loved the world. If God so loved you, not just loved you, but so loved us. If God knew that we were dead in our sins and, and we can care less about him but still sent his son, if God gave his very best for us, if God loves us in such a way, we ought to love one another. That's the logical conclusion. As we meditate on his love, that he gave his best, that he took the initiative, that he sacrificed for us, we ought to do the same for one another. You say, well, that so-and-so doesn't talk to me. Well, go and talk to so-and-so. So-and-so doesn't even, doesn't even respond to my messages. Keep sending the messages. So-and-so can care less. And so-and-so wouldn't do that for me. Well, you wouldn't do it for God, but he did it for you. We love one another. We take the initiative. We give our very best for one another. And look at this here. This is amazing. You say, well, what's going to happen when we do that? You ready for this? I, I've never understood this verse. This is incredible. I, I, I go to the next verse and I look at this and I say, wow, look at this in the passage. I mean, by the way, that was my introduction. I just couldn't wait to get to this verse here. Look at this here. Not one amen. But look at this. Look at this verse. This is incredible. Why in the world does John put verse 12 here? No one has seen God at any time. And that's pretty obvious, right? 
I mean, we know that because, but if you look in the Old Testament, you see that Moses had a glimpse of God and Isaiah saw him and my lips are, he didn't get a whole, if anyone saw all that God is, they'd be consumed in a moment. No one has ever seen him. Why does he put that there? Watch this. This is beautiful. No one has ever seen God at any time. Next few words. If we love one another, guess what? God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. The word there, seen, is the word for theater. You ever been to a theater and watched a movie? You're sitting there chomping on popcorn and you're watching a movie and you're looking intently and you're trying to see. So he, 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 goes, he goes, people, they're watching, they're looking, they're seeing if they can see him. When we love one another, guess what happens? They see God. Don't miss this. They see him. They say, wait, did they get a vision of him? No, they see his love. You say, Jeremy, that can't happen. Oh, no? Remember Jordan? Anybody remember Jordan? Anybody remember Jordan? Jordan, our donut friend? Remember Jordan? I've told this story a little bit before. I saw Jordan two weeks ago. Remember Jordan? Jordan, two weeks ago, was amazing. I see him in Starbucks. He's reading his Bible. You know what happened to Jordan? Jordan watched us during our donut time. And Jordan said, and this is when Grandpa Tom was around, and I remember thinking through this, and I was having a hard time not crying through it, because Grandpa Tom, he was a little fireball. And, and, and during donut time, you, we, we knew how to push his buttons to get him a little mad. You know what I mean? He would say a few things. It was kind of fun to have. You know what I mean? Now the guys are so relaxed during our donut time, but we needed that fireball back. But, you know, he had him. And, and they're wa he's watching us. And you know what he said to us? He goes, remember me? I used to work in Dunkin'. This guy, Jordan, was mean. He, 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 he never smiled. I tell him to turn the music down. He'd get mad at me. Jordan goes, I watched you guys if you, as you were eating donuts and loving on one another. And I watched how you guys cared about each other. And I said, they have something I don't have. So Jordan went to church and Jordan got saved. And just two weeks ago, I see Jordan, and there he is in Starbucks reading his Bible. Watching us eat donuts. <laughs> the guy gets saved. That's a double blessing. <laughs> we can eat and grow and love one another. And let me just tell you, among the men there at the donut time, there is no fake love. There is true love and care for one another. And Grandpa Tom was a big example of that. Go around. He knew everything that was going in their lives. He'd talk about them. He loved them. And someone saw it. And guess what? They got saved. As we love one another. No one has ever seen God at any time. But guess what? As we're loving one another, that is the strongest apologetic that we can ever have for the love of God. In fact, listen to what one person says here. How do men and women who do not know God come to know him? Here's how the love of God displayed in his people is the strongest apologetic that God has in the world. I get so worried when people look at us as hyper political, arrogant, mean, pushy in our beliefs. They say a lot of things about people in church today. What they ought to be saying is that we're a church that loves. Yeah. 
And who cares what the community thinks about? We love them. We'll take the initiative. Walk by the box. We don't care. We're here to love you. How many of you were around in 1967? Let's just give a raise. There's a few of you guys, right? 1967. Remember what happened June 25th of 1967? Anybody remember? Somebody's like, well, I don't remember what happened yesterday. June, <laughs> June 25th, 1967. Are you ready for this? 400 million people were watching. 26 different countries. They were watching the Beatles. Now listen to this. They were watching the song, All You Need Is Love. 400 million people. 26 different countries. Now, obviously, their interpretation of that love is different than God's interpretation. But I'm here to tell you what the world needs. It needs love. Yes. The love that comes from Him. The love that is Him. That's His nature. The love that was proven when He gave His very best. The love that is shown takes the initiative even if people can care less. What they need to see is love. And when they see that, their hearts melt. May God continue to use us to be a church that loves one another. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we, we thank you so much. What a, what a wonderful passage of Scripture. What a powerful passage of Scripture. We understand those words, God is love. Sometimes we just throw those out and they, they don't even mean anything to a lot of us at times. They lose its value. So help them right now to gain value in our hearts. To recognize that not only do you love, but your very essence, your nature, who you are, you are love. And everyone that is born of you, everyone that knows you, will love. It's not because we can produce it or do it on our own. It's because you live inside of us. So we ask you to flow through us with your love. And I pray, maybe there's someone here today that has never experienced your love. That right now where there are, God, in their hearts, they would say, Lord, I've never experienced your love. But I want to right now. I recognize that I didn't love you, but you loved me. And that you sent your son to die for me. I accept him right now into my life. I call upon him to save me. If, if God is working in your heart right now, do it right where you are. Don't harden your heart. He loves you. Even if you can care less about Him, He loves you. And He proved it. So accept it and experience it. Father, I pray for those who have experienced His love, the love that's been poured out into our hearts by Your Holy Spirit. That God, that the more we get to know You, the more we would love one another. And the more we would show that love to those even in our community. And God, I thank you so much that although no one has ever seen you at any time, you can be seen as we love one another. 
We praise you in Jesus' precious name and for his glory. Amen.